I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Medcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hosted by yours truly, Dr. Abby Medcalf. And this is episode five. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very excited you're here today because I'm going to answer that one big question you guys keep writing in about. So what I hear a lot about is uh, how do I deal with fighting and conflicts in my relationship? What do I do? What, am I, what do I actually do to make it different? And today I'm going to teach you what resistance looks like in the relationship, how you know that your man isn't listening, <laughs> that your partner's not listening to you. And even though you think he is, and what to do about it. Here, I have a great tool that uh, us counselors learn, actually, that people in the quote-unquote real word world don't learn for some reason. I think this should be taught in high school. I think this should be something everybody knows, but I'm going to teach you today. And in just a short amount of time, you'll have this tool and you'll be able to use it. So I'm going to tell you a big secret about me, and that is that I don't like conflict. I don't like it. Now, anyone who knows me well or who has ever been a client of mine would likely be surprised to hear this because I am definitely very direct. When I'm with clients, I'm really direct. If I think they're blowing smoke up their ass or, or they have their head up their ass or whatever, I'll say it and I'll be very direct and go, you know, I don't really think that's the way to go or I don't like this or I'm very willing. Now, that's my professional life. In my professional life, I have, you know, confronted when I need to, been in it, not afraid to wade into the middle of something and, and get my hands dirty, not a problem. And I don't know why I'm like that in my professional life, but not like that in my personal life. In my personal life, I am very human, just like everybody else, and I do not love getting into fights. I don't like arguing. 
I'm a Libra. We like things balanced. We don't like to, you know, get into it generally. So I can tend to be someone who avoids conflict and arguing and that kind of thing at home. And, and again, maybe it's because I do it so much at work uh, that I have to get in there and, and do all that, that I feel different. But, you know, the stakes are higher in my personal relationships, right? This is where uh, I don't, I don't want to be fighting with my man. It, it, it really doesn't make me feel good. So I can tend, just like any of you, to avoid things or run away or whatever. Now, Everyone has their own style when it comes to arguing. And I've talked about this ad nauseum. I'm just going to go over it really quickly right now. Is that, um, you know, the whole thing about the lizard brain that I talk about all the time, where you will definitely, when you're in kind of that fight mode, you will fight, flight, or freeze, right? You will fight with your partner. You'll get into it. You'll want to argue. You'll chase him out of the room if he tries to leave. I see you. Um, you will flee. You'll run away. I'm a fleer. Uh, so I will tend to just, you know, get myself gone or change the subject or just let things go in some way. You know, I'll talk about it, but um, I won't really say maybe what I really think because I don't want to extend the conversation or get into trouble. And then there's those of you who freeze, who basically do nothing. You sort of, uh uh-huh, yep, sure. Very passive, just let whatever happens, happens, um, so that you don't have to decide one way or the other, and then the decision's made for you, right? So we tend to take on one of these styles when we're not feeling um, good about our, you know, the situation and we're uh, feeling unsure or we're again in some sort of, we know we're in the argument, we don't like it, whatever that might be. So years ago, I learned this really great tool, um, for how to deal with resistant and defensive clients, right? We get those all the time, as you might imagine. In my practice, I get people come in the door who are resistant to whatever I'm saying. Maybe they were mandated to me for some reason. This has happened many times over the years. I worked in drug and alcohol treatment for forever. And I have to tell you, there's a lot of clients there who do not want to be there. They're there because they're getting forced to be there. Now, this reminds remind you of, of the last conversation you had with your partner when you asked him something and you know said to him, oh, I want us to go to this workshop together, or I want us to start you know, talking every night or, or uh, sharing good things about our day every day or whatever great thing you learned about in some workshop or on this podcast or somewhere else. And your partner doesn't come along. He doesn't listen, you know, he's, well, he says he's listening and he seems like he's listening, but then there's no action on the other side. Have you been there? I think you have, if you're listening. So what that is, is it's resistance. That's resistance. When your partner isn't doing something you asked, even though they said, sure, (laughs) they're resisting. And sometimes they don't say sure. Sometimes they let you know they're resisting and it's pretty obvious, but you have to see it for that. And I want to really point this out. And this is something that gets missed. You have to stop in the, you know, your autopilot and going after something and really notice what that means. Because when someone resists, what it means is they're not buying into whatever you're selling and you really need to stop and take a different tact because just saying it more and more isn't going to do it. Now, so there's this awesome tool we learn in school. Most counselors do, I would say, but, uh, and I teach this all across the country, this, uh, something called motivational interviewing. Okay. MI, motivational interviewing. And it was developed, it's based on this work by these two guys, uh, William Miller and Stephen Rolnick. And this has been around for quite a while, at least I think 
gosh, 1990, I think is when it came out. I'd have to go, I'd have to go look. Uh, but it's been around a really long time. They wrote a book, uh, about this and it's really about how to change habits. That's really where this work comes from. But the good news is that it's not just about changing habits. It's really about changing how you think and shifting because think about even changing a habit. Why do you get stuck when you need to change a habit? It's because you're resistant, right? You know you need to eat better, but then you don't. So you, someone can tell you, well, you really need to start eating breakfast and you have to have more protein and you got to say no to the sugar and you hear it, but then you don't do it. And it's because you're resisting and you got to get over that resistance first. Then you can start using all the great tools. Now, This motivational interviewing is an evidence-based research model. That means that it's been studied and studied and shown to be effective over and over. And that's why I love it, because you can apply it with your man. You can apply it at home, the same model that's been proven effective. And I do use it, and it really works. So I'm going to break it down for you today. Now, but let's talk first things first. So what is resistance? How do you know if your partner's being resistant? Well, there are four general categories of resistant behavior, and all of them have clear signs once you know what you're looking for. The first way you know that your partner is resisting what you're saying is if he starts arguing. Now, arguing can look like challenging you. Well, what do you mean? What, where'd you get that information from? Why do you say that? Uh, discounting what you say, if you had that. Well, I don't think that's really important, please. That happened with two people. Why, why are you even telling me that? Or open hostility, maybe really being angry and argumentative and just really in your face. So when someone's arguing with you, again, challenging you, discounting what you're saying, being ho- openly hostile in some way, that's letting you know the person is not on board with what you're saying. Number two, the second way you know someone is being really resistant is if they start interrupting you. This one gets missed a lot by people. I watch couples in my office and I'll see them start interrupting each other, and but they keep going. They just keep going. And they'll often yell and say, hey, stop interrupting me. It's really pissing me off. But they don't really stop and think, oh, they're interrupting me because they're not listening. I need to do something different right here and not just keep lecturing them. So that can be that they talk over you, that they actually cut you off. Um, they jump into the conversation in some sort of defensive mode. Uh, any of that is resisting. The third type of resistance is denying. This is when people, your partner maybe blames other people or you, just that disagreeing, but not quite arguing with you, but disagreeing with you, excusing behavior, minimizing, making light of something, making it smaller than it was to you. Just being overall like pessimistic about what's happening, real reluctance or unwillingness to change. All of these are parts of denial. This is denying that there's a problem, denying it's going on, and really just pushing it to the side. And I think for me, what I see the most is usually something like uh, a lot of that minimizing, definitely the blame game, you know, where he's blaming everyone, you know, and not taking responsibility. That is clearly resistance. And then the fourth way that you know someone's being resistance is ignorance. And this one drives me nuts. That inattention, right? They're looking at their phone, they're watching the game, they're not even really keying into you. The non-answer or the no response, 
that non-answer, the shoulder shrug, <laughs> literally just not responding to the question. Have you ever had this? It makes you crazy, right? And or sidetracking. Uh, you start to talk about something, you know, you're, you're arguing about the, I don't know, the fact that he left his dirty underwear on the floor. And next thing you know, you're talking about when you're going on vacation this summer and you're thinking, how did we get there? What happened? And that's because you're with someone who's very good at sidetracking, getting you off the topic so that uh, they can not have to deal with it. And that's somebody who freezes, right? That's like a real freeze kind of uh, scare tactic. So that, those are the four types of resistance that you should be looking for. Arguing, interrupting, denying, and ignorance. Those four are the main categories. And if you see any of these behaviors, the conversation is going nowhere fast. You're in a power struggle and you need to shift the energy. So the first thing to do is that you got to notice it's happening. And there's that pesky self-awareness I keep talking about again. I did another podcast on self-awareness. If you haven't listened to it, I really, please, I beg you, I beg you. If you listen to no other podcasts or you don't read any other blog posts I do or anything else, please, please read and listen, watch, whatever, the stuff on self-awareness. Because without the self-awareness, I say it over and over, you won't notice what's going on. And you can't change things unless you can see it. So you got to get out of that problem of hours later going, oh, I should have said X, Y, Z, or I, oh, I can't believe I forgot to to tell him this, this, this. That's the problem. When you're doing that, it's because you're not self-aware. If you come back later with the awesome conversation in your head, you, you needed to do that in the moment. Although, I will say and remind people that you're allowed to go back to something. If you do have a great aha moment later, you really can come back to your partner and go, hey, you know, we were, how we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, that I want a cleaning lady and you don't, you think it's a waste of money. You know, I was thinking about that and I had some other thoughts is, would it be okay if we talked about that now? That's by the way, is the best way to come back. Um, One of the little tools I give you guys a lot is to ask someone if it's okay to talk about something in a moment or to give them feedback. When you ask for their permission and you do have to wait and get it, you can't just ask for permission and then steamroll ahead. But if you actually do that, people are more engaged. They're using a different part of their brain. They have to think about that to answer the question, which takes them out of their amygdala, which takes them out of that fight, flight, or freeze and puts them into their prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain where you want them, where they can actually think and be logical and rational and talk to you and think about their values and have good judgment, all that good crap, that lives there. So when you ask someone, hey, can I talk to you now? Is this a good time? Um, would you be open to some feedback? Or I had some thoughts about our earlier conversation. Can I share that with you right now? When you ask questions like that, people key in differently. And think about how you feel when someone does that. It just it puts you in a different state. And it really puts you in the driver's seat because they're asking permission. They're not just coming in and mowing you down. And that feels good. It feels like you have more power, which makes you feel less resistant. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you're looking for, for you and your partner to actually have these open, more open conversations, to really connect differently? And that if that's the goal, then you, you got to stop when all the resistance shows up. You, you got to really think to yourself, what, what's my end game? What am I trying to do? What am I trying to get? 
I say it all the time, would you rather be correct or effective? So you can be right all day that you, you sh- should be able to tell your partner what a jerky is, but if you're looking to have a healthy, connected, happy, calm relationship, then that's probably not the direction to go in, or at least not with that tone. And when you're trying to be effective, instead of just right, you start to change your tone. You start to really think about what you're saying. Everything is different. Everything opens up. So when you find yourself in conflict or dealing with any kind of resistance with someone, here are the tools to move it forward. And this comes directly from this motivational interviewing I was talking about. And I love this because you know me, I love a little jingle or a little acronym or something that I can remember to use. And the one for motivational interviewing is called ORS, O-A-R-S. And I'm going to tell you what each one means and explain it. We're going to like go through each piece, but these are the tools you would use. So, so you're in an argument or you're in a conversation or you're noticing that your partner is ignoring you or he won't look up from his phone or he's minimizing what you're saying or excusing his behavior or blaming someone else, right? He's doing one of those things or he's just openly hostile with you or defensive, When any of that stuff's going on, I want you to stop and go, okay, am I being correct or effective? (laughs) I'm trying to make my point, but I'm not getting it across. I'm not being effective at all. So to be effective, you got to use ORS. And and again, this is evidence-based. This is something that's been researched over and over to work. And I've been using it with couples for years, and I can tell you it works great. And I've been using it myself in my personal life, and it works great. So here it is. Ready? So the O stands for open-ended questions. The A is about affirming and support. The R is for something called reflective listening, and the S is for summarizing. Now I'm going to go through each one. Okay. I just wanted to lay them all out there for you. Ors, right? So the open-ended questions is, I love this one, and this is easy. And really, let me just say this before I move on. What you do is you use these four tools, the O, A, R, and the S, you use them sort of interchangeably. Like you might start with an open-ended question and then give an affirmation and then go back to an open-ended question and then maybe summarize, right? You sort of jump around. And when you're new at this, you might just use the open-ended questions and nothing else. That's okay. (laughs) And then maybe add some affirmations later or something else, however you can do that. But just start where you can, start where you can. And all of them are effective individually, but they really work magically when used together. So, and I'll explain that after I explain what each one is. So the, and this will be in your show notes. There'll be a cheat sheet for this, of course, because you know, you're probably driving right now listening to me (laughs) thinking, Abby, I can't write all this down. So we'll have some little cheat sheets for you. Um, and so that you can, uh, pull from that. So open-ended questions. These are questions you can't answer with yes, no, fine, good, you know, with a one-word answer. You're really looking to open a dialogue. And for a lot of questions, when we ask them, we get one-word answers. When you think about, hey, your man comes home from work. Hey, how was your day? (laughs) What's the answer? Yeah. It's, you know, fine, good. You know, what, what happened today at work? Nothing. Uh, it sucked. Or, you know, there's like a one word thing. There's no actual dialogue. This happens with your kids too, by the way. What'd you do at school today? Nothing. What'd you learn at school today? Nothing. Did you have a favorite class? No. Right. <laughs> it's a, or, or is that just me? Cause my kids are in middle school. Yeah. So Whatever it is, there tends to be just that real uh, one-word stuff. And that doesn't get us anywhere. That does not open dialogue. That doesn't get us moving. So 
open-ended questions are things like, what do you think we could do to improve this situation? Or what do you think you could do to improve the situation? Uh, where should we take this conversation next? What's the perfect thing I could say that would let you know I care about what you're saying? Uh, if I could say one thing right now that really... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Would, would make you feel great. What would it be? What's the one thing I could say? Now, or even, uh, can I help you with anything? Is there anything you need right now? So... These kinds of questions really open up a dialogue. Now, what you can do, because sometimes what will happen is that you say, oh, is there, is there one thing I could say right now that would really help? Or is there one thing we could do right now? What's one, or what's one action we could take right now that would help this situation, whatever the situation is? And your partner might be in their negative, you know, blaming state and go, nothing. There's nothing. Your follow-up question is... <laughs> If I had a gun to your head and you had to come up with one thing, one thing that we could do right now or that I could say right now or that, you know, you could do right now, whatever, right? Whatever your question is, what would it be? And that's the one where I finally get answers. That's the one. And I use this with my kids too. Uh, and so often the kids will try to cop out. But when I ask it this way, they ha- I said, no, give me one thing. You, come on. I have a gun. There's a gun to your head. Someone's about to kill you unless you can come up with one thing. What is it? And they will come up with one thing, and it's sad that you have to say there's a gun to your head, but that's how it goes. So, but that kind of way of just really pushing it and really pushing people to to really think of something to help, to change, to move something, the situation, and and really going for it. Um, If you could ask me to do anything for you right now, what would it be? And sometimes that's off topic. You know, you could ask this question and get told, well, you know, I'd love for you to make me a drink or rub my feet or uh, you might, well, if you're asking your man, you might, he might always ask for a blowjob. I don't know. But um, whatever it is, you can choose to do it or not. But ask, if there's one thing I could do right now that would really help move this forward, what would it be? Uh, And again, when that happens, I want you to pay attention to it. Well, you know, at this point, you know, if you could just, go make dinner if you, or make me something I want for dinner. If you could um, help me get all this stuff in from the garage, if you could, whatever. I want you to notice, even though that's not about maybe what your fight is about, what you're arguing about, it's really listen to the message. The person is saying, I'm, I need attention, or maybe I'm feeling, uh, like, I'm feeling like you're not paying attention. I'm feeling neglected in some way. 
And even if you don't agree, like neglected, how dare you feel neglected? I've done X, Y, and Z for you. Nope, that's not the attitude. (laughs) Instead, really listen to what people ask for because what they ask for is how they're feeling. What they ask for is what's happening for them. So give it to them. If you can, what a great thing and how great that they're asking. You can also ask, how are you feeling? That's an open-ended question. There's an answer to it. (laughs) Whenever I ask this question, I say, and you can't answer good or fine. So, and there's even if you ever, uh, you can go online literally today and put in feeling faces under like Google images and you will get like one of those sheets with those 40 little cartoon faces with all the feelings. And I'll tell you, identifying your feelings is often a very difficult thing. I had trouble with that for years with really understanding what my feelings were. I thought I just was kind of happy, sad, or mad. I I think that's all I had in my arsenal for a long time. And as I got, you know, did, did therapy myself and worked on myself and did all that good stuff, I started to notice, wow, I've got a lot of feelings, a lot of places I go. And it's not just so black and white with these small things. Um, You can also ask how someone feels when something happened. Hey, when that happened at work, how did it make you feel? Well, I don't know. It, you know, I don't know. Well, no, name a feeling. And you could give them the little sheet with all the little faces on it if you want. But say, name a feeling, mad, glad, happy, sad, overwhelmed, anxious, shy, content, happy, what? Like name a feeling. And that'll help people too. Um, Is there anything I can do for you right now? Can I bring you something? All of these are questions to move the energy from where it is. And so let me give you a good example of something that happens uh, a lot and something that one of my clients came to me with the other night. She said, uh, and this is a client I work with for doing couples therapy on her own, right? Her husband is not coming in. And she said, you know, he gets home a lot from work and he's in a bad mood. He walks in the door and he's in a bad mood. And I think it's unfair because I'm not the one to put him in a bad mood, but he comes in in a bad mood. And I said, yeah, I get that. You're right. So remember the correct or effective? Is she correct? She's correct all day. He should not come home in a bad mood and take it out on her. Not fair. However, it's not effective what she's been doing, which is telling him that. Hey, you know, you're in a bad mood. You're snapping at me. It's really uncool. I'm not the one you're mad at, blah, blah, blah. And what she gets is all this defensiveness and anger from him. Occasionally he says, yeah, I'm sorry, whatever. But he doesn't change the behavior overall. He keeps coming home in a bad mood. And he, he, he was uh, most of the time defensive and angry about it. And then he would pick a fight with her and they would get in a fight. So... Really what's happening, if someone's in a bad mood every day after work, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure it out, right? They're not enjoying their job very much, or there's something going on, or they're under a lot of pressure. So us putting additional pressure on them when they come home is not the answer. Now, however, just kind of sucking it up and taking it is not the answer either. Remember, I'm all about effectives. And what's effective in this situation? Effective would be that my husband would stop coming home in a bad mood or that he would, when he comes home in a bad mood, that he would be able to shift out of it quickly and that we could have a good night. And that probably is the most effective of those. And so what I told this client, this woman, I said, you know, I want you to just start asking him when he comes home. Think of it like that, like he had a bad day at work 
and he needs love. He needs the love bomb. And so throw the love bomb at him. So, and so she started doing things like uh, asking these open-ended questions. Hey, is there anything I can get for you? Do you now, and I tell her, like, don't kiss his ass. Don't run after him. Don't, you know, don't do that. But be open and be there. You know, try to be, try to be friendly and loving. And, and there's a difference there, right? So, and she did. She started to ask, uh, hey, can I bring you anything? Um, is there anything you like? Is there anything that would uh, help you tonight? Can I help you in any way? Any of those kind of questions. And in the beginning, he start, he would say to her, no, I'm fine. You know, he would do that. And she would come back in the office and go, it's not working. He doesn't want me to do anything. And I said, ask him instead in the morning before, when he's in a good mood, before he leaves the house, hey, when you come home from work, what would be the best thing like I could do? What would, like, think about when you come home from work, what would you love to have when you walk in the door? And he, without even hesitating, apparently, he said to her, oh my God, I would love it if you uh, greeted me at the door with a big kiss and a hug and then, you know, left me alone for about a half hour so I could really just like mellow out, you know, go in the office. If you could keep the kids busy, um, you know, just say hi, but let me go be alone for about a half hour. And uh, so she started doing that. And guess what? He started shifting dramatically. Now, in the beginning, he was in there, so he came home, and he didn't go right in the room. And she said, hey, you had mentioned that she hugged him and kissed him when he came in. And she said, hey, you had mentioned you wanted to be able to go in the office for a while. I've let the kids know we don't bug daddy for until 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, I think it was at that point, because he got home at like 6.20 or something. So she gave him like 40 minutes, and she said, we're going to have dinner at 7, so... Uh, you know, come back out then. And he was said, great. And he did. And he came out in a good mood and it started working immediately. Now you might not have results as great as this, but do you get the idea? So if someone can't answer you in the moment, ask at a different time and they might have it. Okay. So that's the open-ended questions. That's the O. The A is affirmations or support. And affirmations are all the supportive words that make us feel, you know, warm and gooey inside. The the key here is that you have to be sincere. You have to come up with affirmations you believe. Tell the other person, you know, the good or healthy things you see them doing or saying or what you appreciate about them in a way that's sincere and clear. Now, again, you might ask an open-ended question. And in this case, this client, I'll call her uh, Marsha. Marsha might say to Ted, her husband, you know, uh, hey, I'm really glad you're home. Why don't you go in the other room? You know, you've worked really hard today. And if I don't tell you enough, I really appreciate how hard you work for our family and dealing with that commute every day. Um, That's a very sincere, clear affirmation. Or it could just be something like... um, you know, hey, go in your office, spend some time alone. We're going to be here for you. Really, really happy you're home. It's just better when you're here in the house. Uh, Those are things, those are words of support. They're warm, they're gooey, they're direct. Okay. Then I'm going to skip reflective listening for a minute and we're going to go to summarizing. Summarizing is when you, you know this one, you do, you probably already do it. This is when you summarize what you heard and you Take a guess at what they're, you know, so you're saying something like, what I hear you saying is, right? Or you can even say, I'm summarizing, if I were to summarize what you said, I would say X. And it's really a question. You're, you're, you're asking the person, is this what you meant? 
is this it? This is what I heard. And summarizing is so great because it really helps people kind of coalesce and bring together what they're thinking and feeling and maybe didn't even really notice. And uh, so this could be that, you know, you're having an argument about your different views on whether you should have a cleaning lady and a cleaning person, I should say, could be a man who cleans your house, a cleaning person. And you can come back and say, okay, so what I hear you saying is you don't want to pay for a cleaning person because you really feel like we could do this ourselves. We could clean if we had a better schedule. I hear you saying that you just don't think we have money for that right now. Um, and I hear you saying that it's just not a value you have, that, that this is something that you think is uh, too much, you know, it's too extravagant. And then your partner can say, yeah, that is what I think. Or they can say, no, I don't think it's too extravagant. Or I just think it's, it just doesn't feel, it feels weird. I didn't grow up with cleaning people and it feels like I think I'm better than people, um, whatever. And they can um, tell you what they really meant. And this in and of itself is a great dialogue because they will often sort of come back and forth, right? And at that point, you can imagine where you might ask an open-ended question. You might say, well, Okay, so when you grew up, you didn't have any cleaning people, but so how did that happen? Did your mom do do everything? Did you guys have chores uh, when you were kids? And, you know, start asking questions to get information about these belief systems your partner may have about having a cleaning lady. Or maybe you could say, so you mentioned that you don't think we have it in our budget. Can, can we look at our budget and talk about that? Uh, talk about where the money's going and how, you know, because I, I think there is money in the budget for this, but you don't. So I, I want to see what you're talking about, what you think, um, that kind of stuff. So you're asking questions. Can we do this? Is this okay to sit down? Now, obviously, can we look over the budget is kind of a yes or no response, uh, <laughs> but it's okay to have some questions in there that might be a little dead end, but think open-ended all the time, not closed. We call them open or closed. You know, open is the when there's lots of answers closed is when there's just like a yes, no, good, or fine. And it's impossible to always ask open-ended, but the idea is to be asking these questions and to try to make most of them open-ended. So you can see how you could already, just with the O, the A, and the S, kind of go back and forth in a, in a conversation with maybe giving an affirmation, asking an open-ended question, maybe summarizing what your partner said, going back to some questions. You can kind of see, right, how, again, we're getting away from that correct or effective. You're getting away from, like, I'm right and here's my point. And instead, you're really trying to elicit you're really trying to get your partner to speak to you, to have a conversation about what they're really feeling. It's a whole new way to be, I got to tell you. And it's great and it really goes far. Now, if you only use those, that's great. I'm going to give you one other tool in this ORS thing, which is the R, which I mentioned, which is called reflective listening. Now, this is sometimes a little harder for people to grasp, but basically what you do with reflective listening is you make a statement about what you believe the person means, the other person means. You make a statement about it. You don't ask it like a question. Now, this can be a little provocative, so I don't always advocate doing it, but when you're really feeling stuck with someone, it can be great. So you might have a partner who complains about work. Let's say he's always complaining about work. It sucks. My boss is an asshole. He's out to get me. I can't move up. So-and-so got a promotion instead of me. 
Uh, and you've been hearing this conversation a lot. He comes home every day, he's in a bad mood about work, and he's complaining about his boss over and over. And it, there's, you've given great suggestions and it's always met with, no, I've already tried that, or I did that and it didn't work, or no, you don't understand. And I know, no, I have not been in your home. Just everybody has these conversations. <laughs> Whenever I do this, people go, oh, that's exactly how the conversation went. I was like, I know, it's how everybody's conversation goes. So reflective listening in this case can be great because it can jar the person out of where they are. So let's use that example. What I would do is say, So basically your life sucks and you're trapped and have no way out. That's what I would say. Because isn't, this is, I'm taking a guess at what the person means. What do they really mean in what they're saying? And that's what your husband, let's say, is saying in that moment. He's saying he feels totally trapped, his life sucks, and there's nothing he can do about it. And when you say it like that, what happens, and it happens every time, it's very effective, is the other person, it's such a kind of, again, provocative kind of statement. It's such a poke that people listen up. They go, and, and it's always that kind of same response of, well, I didn't say that. I didn't say my life was a dead end. That's a bit much. You know, they might get kind of angry at you a little bit, but they were already angry. You know, what the hell? And And this is beautiful. Now you have them arguing that their life is not a dead end, even though that's really what they were saying before and how trapped they were. So you can now you want to ask an open-ended question and go, oh, okay, sorry. That's what I heard you say. What are you trying to tell me? Oh, well, well, I'm just saying that, you know, everything at work is really stacked against me. And it's just really hard every day to get through the day when everyone's out to get me or when my boss is such a jerk and, and passes me over all the time. And again, so they're still in that stuck place, right? Your husband, your partner's still in that stuck place. So you would do it again. I would do it again and say, so yeah, I think I heard right. So your life sucks. You're totally trapped and stuck at work and nothing is ever going to change. And again, they will gently argue and go, well, I didn't say that. I didn't say it was so bad oh, well, can you tell me something that isn't bad at work? Because that's all you talk about. Is there something that is okay at work? Is there some, some way you do say a way out? And, and this is a conversation, by the way, that was had in front of me by a couple I have. And, uh, and sure enough, he started to talk about, he goes, well, there is another department at work where I've been thinking about transferring and trying to get in. But it means that I'll have to start with less money and, you know, cause I already make above the pay grade for that entry level and I don't think we can afford it. And really what that is, is a beautiful opening for you to say, oh, wait a minute. Hey, I want you to be happy. And I don't want you in a job that sucks so bad. And we could take a pay cut briefly, you know, maybe a year, whatever it's going to be and figure that out. Let's work that out together so that you can make this change and be happier or whatever the conversation is going to be. But now look at that is now you can really come and this is what happened in the session and what this man was talking about. And, you know, this wife just looked at me and she looked at him and said, you know, we're here spending all this money in therapy. (laughs) She said, if you were happier and took a pay cut, we'd probably come out the same. And they, and she kind of laughed and he laughed. And I was able to really say, you know, this is a time when he was really feeling trapped. He was feeling trapped. 
but he didn't want to share with her his burden. He just didn't see a way out. He didn't see that a pay cut was, was a possibility. And when she came in and said, hey, we can work this out together, you and I as a team, let's figure this out together, it really brought him towards her. And I need to tell you, I think I saw them maybe, well, I've seen them like now twice more that I can think about, and they do have another appointment in a month and a half, but they're coming a lot less because they're not having all these issues. And really what I'm helping them with now is just sort of working together towards these new goals they have. It's a very different uh, focus in therapy than we had before. So, ORs, the open-ended questions, the affirmations, the reflective listening, and the summarizing. This is the way, this is a key to get out of the negative spiral that you might get into when you're dealing with any kind of conflict. Uh, And I really want you to think about how to have this healthy and lively dialogue and move between all four O, A, R, and S. Your relationships are truly worth you taking some time, taking some energy, and really putting it in to make the changes that you want. And I have to tell you, the motivational interviewing, this little oars technique is so effective. It'll also work with you at work. It'll work with the kids. It'll work everywhere. And even if you only adopted like one part of it, just the open-ended questions or just the affirmations or whatever, or just the summarizing, you would see some positive changes in your relationships. But I really would like you to challenge yourself to try to use kind of more than one, to try to, you know, go back and forth between a few of them and see what happens. Okay, that was a lot of learning today. You really got your learn on today in today's podcast. I'm very excited you were here. I know I say this every time, but I really mean it. I know you have a lot of things you could be listening to right now. And it means a lot to me that you're here with me. As always, I would love it if you checked in with me, sent an email, uh, left a comment, let me know what's helping, what's not, and what you'd like to have on future podcasts. Because uh, as you know, I, I always, I include those. So that's it. Have a great day. And I will speak to you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.